Welcome back to the Modern Witch Podcast, today's pagan pop culture for the Modern Witch. I'm your host, Devin Hunter, and of course, joining us in Studio B in Salem, Massachusetts, is our lovely hostess, Rowan Pendragon. Rowan, how are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's It's been a little while since we've um, recorded a show, so this is exciting in a weird way. <laughs> I guess, <laughs> I, you know, um, it's well, yeah, it's just, just, you know, it's been a while. So yeah, here we are. We find ourselves back at the desk and, and working even more. And um, magazine was released, uh, what, about two weeks ago? Uh, something like that. Something I like think that. two weeks ago. And um, lots of really good feedback. So I'm, I'm not complaining about that whatsoever. Um, and yeah, and then you've been busy. You've been, of course, revamping websites and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah, I think I'm pretty much done with revamping websites. I think I'm done with that now and working on some other projects. So Mm -hmm. see what happens in the next few months. Trying not to melt during the summer. That's my only goal right now. (laughs) Yeah, how hot is it out there? Um, Today it's in the 80s. It's been in the 90s. We hit almost 100 over the weekend. It's been really humid. I had to finally break down and buy an air conditioner. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, so... It was kind of it was kind of nasty. We had, um, of course, Salem had its first. Well, Salem hosted the first um, North Shore Pagan Pride Day over the past weekend, and mm-hmm. um, it was extremely disgusting hot. So <laughs> that night, um, it was just it was too hot. So I didn't go to the parade or anything because it was just too gross out. And that night, though, there was a um, the usual it's about every month or so they um there's a little uh wine witches and warlocks party over at omen and um so i did go to that because at least it was you know not as hot anymore because it was nighttime <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, and so that was fun and uh but it's just been disgusting i haven't been going out except walking over to the beach and even there it's gross so it's just hot. It, it, this is like, it reminds me of the reasons why I don't like being here in the summer and why I would rather be in San Diego in the summer. Because you would kind of mm-hmm. think, like, people think San Diego is going to be nasty in the summer. It's actually not. It's actually really nice. And yeah. here it's just yeah. like, ugh, kill me. So, you know. Yeah. No, I, um, yeah, it's, it's a, the heat type is very different. You know, where you're at, it's going to be a lot more humid and, yeah, and, and that makes the world of difference when it comes to heat, because yeah, yeah, we get you know we do festivals a lot, and so depending on where you're at and what time of year you're in, you know, it can absolutely be hell. Then um, like in Ohio, you can take a shower and then you know walk outside, and you just feel like you never took a shower. Oh yeah, that's exactly know? what it's like here. I mean, you have yeah. to if when you take a shower in the morning on one of these warm days, it has to be a cold shower. If you take a warm shower, you're never gonna like not be icky all day it's just it's nasty yeah you'll be wet all day yeah, yeah it's gross yeah, absolutely um so i've had let's see here i've had um well g'day is staying with us so i think right now he's gallivanting around san francisco somewhere um but we've had him and his travel companion brendan and um uh, another one of um storm students with us and so it's been just kind of crazy you know and then of course we had um fourth of july which we had a blast we did such a fabulous time um, so I really can't complain. I did get a Mac, so I think that's probably like the big new news. My PC, and this is the reason why the podcast have not been coming. Um, but my PC just 
had like a worm essentially and um the spyware anti-spyware software stuff that i was using apparently just hadn't been updated the way that i thought it was updating and um so yeah that was a complete and utter meltdown and i was like i had no computer for days and that's just hard um when you do what i do you know so um yeah, I haven't been able to like design anything or do anything. And luckily enough, I had a friend of mine who um, was getting the new, the Uber new Mac. And um, he had said, well, you know, I'm looking to sell my old one. I was like, well, how much? And, uh, and it's, it's really, it's new. I mean, I, he's just one of those guys that I, likes the new stuff, which is fine. But you know, this computer is not old by any means. And it's been updated all to hell and back. So that's a good thing. Um, but it's nice because it's totally set up for podcasting. Like I was shocked. I didn't, you know, you hear people say it and I've heard other podcasters say, oh, you know, if you're going to do it, you need to do it with Mac and yeah, yada, yada, yada. I never bought into any of it. I never went there with any of it. I was like, man, eh, whatever. My dad is a um, beta tester for Windows. And, you know, so I, I grew up with Windows, 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 Windows. And um, well, then you switched to Mac. You you got a Mac about yeah. what, a couple months ago. It was I don't know July, Ju- probably about a year ago, July of last mm-hmm. year, and I got it specifically for those reasons. Yeah, <laughs> for and... doing recording and for doing it's it, when it comes down to computers, Macs are for right brain people, Windows are for left brain people, and that's just but that's how it's always been. You know, mm-hmm. Macs are much more. If you are, it, I, I guess really it's if you are more of the right brain type, Macs are much more intuitive for you. And it's, they're designed for people doing creative type work. Whereas mm-hmm. Macs or Windows PCs or any sort of, you know, like Linux or whatever. I mean, they're, they're really for more project, you know, computey type. Right. Look at me with my fancy words. Computing. With your fancy words. <laughs> you know, but like stuff like that. Like people who are doing programming. Not that people don't program on a Mac, but I mean, you know, like my husband's a programmer and he would never dream of having a Mac. He thought I was crazy for mm-hmm. getting a Mac. But then, you know, with what I do, you know, doing video and doing audio and doing, you know, art and stuff, it, you know, I couldn't do anything nearly as easily on my PC as I can on my Mac. And then. The other thing, too, is the cost of doing these things on one versus the other is just dynamically different, you know, because oh, yeah. you can granted, you know, like you buy the Adobe suites and things. And, yeah, they're really expensive when you buy it, but you buy the one package and you've got everything you're ever going to need, you know, whereas right. with, with PC, not that you can't do Adobe on a PC for people who are going to ah, screw you. I have it on my PC, but mm-hmm. it's better on a Mac. It works differently. It works better, I think, on a Mac. And when you buy, like, so, like, for example, audio or video stuff on a PC, you end up having to either buy something that's ex- so ridiculously expensive, you would just never buy it because it's just ridiculous. Or you have to get a whole bunch of crappy little things and try and hope, you know, that they all work together nice and they usually don't. And it just ends up being a mess. But with, you know, but with your Mac, you can just get, like, you know, you buy, like, iLife and you get you know, GarageBand and iMovie and all that stuff together and you've got everything you need. And then all the other little things that you can buy, you know, $15 things in the app store that work Mm -hmm. great, you know, it's like, well, there we go. So I was, you know, I think I had had my Mac for two days and I was like, oh, that's it. I am never owning a PC again. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, I still have mine too. I still have two PCs. 
they're backups. Like they're emergent. And every now and then when I have had to go to use them, because I do have some software that I can't run on, on my Mac because like Zune, you know, I'm, I'm one of those idiots that bought a Zune and, um, my Zune software that they, they don't have a version for Mac because it's exclusively for windows. So I have to use it for that. And when I turn on that, my, my, you know, windows laptop, I want to like shoot myself. It takes forever mm-hmm. to load. And then you got to wait for all this crap to update. Cause there's always 20 bazillion updates and they take an hour to download mm-hmm. and install. It's just ridiculous. Whereas I can do, you know, you get an update on your Mac within two minutes, everything's done and you're good to go. <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah, so much yeah. I've I've totally noticed that. Well, and I partitioned my hard drive, and I so I I am running Windows, and I'm running the Mac OS, mm-hmm. um, and it's, I, hmm, I I kind of felt like after it was all said and done with, and I did boot camp, and I put Windows on it, and you know, and I literally split my hard drive in half, and so half of it's a Windows machine, half of it's you're running off the the Mac OS, but. I did it, and then I just kind of sat there, and I went, "Why am I destroying yeah. my computer? Yeah. Why am I ruining my?" I mean, and you're not. I mean, it's it's. There are people who thrive running, you know, both systems off of their machine. But the only reason I did it was because I didn't want to have to go out and buy um, a bunch of new software, because you know the stuff that I have is uber expensive stuff. Um, now I did find out that apparently Adobe, once if you switch to Mac from Windows or if you switch from Windows to Windows from Mac, that as long as you have the install disk, um, because it's got all the codes on it, but you can call them and they will exchange it for you. Mm-hmm. They will send you for the cost of the disk. They will send you the whatever version. Right. So um, we're looking at seeing if we can do that because if if I can do that. Then I'll drop the partition. I'll, I'll pretty much redo everything I had already done. Um, but um, yeah, I'll drop the partition, and then you know that way I'll have more for the Mac. But I mean, it's it's nice because it's it's a good kind of way for me to have a little bit of a learning curve, you know. Because if I have to, I know how to do something in Windows, and I can get up and go. But and ultimately, at the, at the end of the day, my Mac and my Mac OS, it's much more intuitive. It's just it's it. If, I feel like it was made for me. That's just going to put it like everything I need is there. So I'm really happy with it. I like the way it works. And I now have the opportunity to to do some really cool stuff that I didn't have the opportunity to do before, you know, like making apps and, you know, stuff like that. You know, but you could have made apps before. It's not as though you can't make them on a PC. Right, right. But when we looked into it and like the the price for the software was ridiculous to get like the good stuff, you know, that I would have wanted to use. So we're like, eh. and then when this opened up, the first one of the first things I did is, you know, I went and looked and to see what I could get to make apps. And there's a plethora of stuff, of course. So I'm pretty happy. And, you know, there's it's there's some cool stuff. There's like themes you can download for your iPhone that you can only get if you're like running a Mac, apparently. I mean, there's really neat stuff. So I'm like, ah, okay, well, this is this is all stuff I had no clue about. Um, But it's an interesting it's it's all going to be great because now you and I both have Macs. We both have PCs, um, which I know just sounds so um, kind of snooty, but it's, it's totally, you know, all by accident. Um, but now we're going to have the ability to do some really neat stuff. So I'm excited about it. And I'm excited to, um, be able to get working on the show again. And we're talking about doing some new stuff with that. And, um, yeah. So have you read, do, do you read our iTunes reviews? Sometimes. 
sometimes. Yeah, that's, um, I, I remember when I first started, oh, it was so hard to get people to do an iTunes review. Like, I would have to say it six times in an episode to get one person to go on and, you know, say something about the show, good or bad, whatever, it didn't matter. But I find the stuff that people bitch about to be the most interesting. Like, oh, don't get there me aren't, started. <laughs> the, well, there's not a lot of, like, complaints about the show in the sense that, you know, oh, the every once in a while, you know, especially beforehand, we'd get some strange, you know, like... um feedback about like oh the audio levels or something like that and that of course that's just the way that we we have to record the show but um that's to me like okay like i can listen to that and i understand that but then we get like crazy people like we get some crazy stuff uh and not just on the itunes but this is just kind of you know just looking at the reviews in general and it's all the pagans that want stuff for free and it's all the pagans that like want to be haters because they don't have their own show (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Because all I can think of is, okay, lady, clearly by the way that you're typing, if you had your own show, you would not be doing any better than I'm doing. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just get, I, I just got to the, I think I, when my computer totally like crashed and I was having that freak out and I was forced to be away from technology, which was a blessing in disguise because I got to like, you know, work on mandalas and, and do creative things. Um, but it was a good break because it kind of let me not have to be, I was forced. I feel like the universe forced me to take a break, um, because I didn't have to be doing the show and, you know, all this stuff. And I had actually had recorded a show because you had cat issues. Mm -hmm. So that week I recorded a show and it was just kind of like a one oh one thing and I go to put it up and that was when the, the computer had a meltdown. So, um, that show got lost and I was like, okay, so I'm just gonna take a break. And I'm going to try to enjoy life away from technology. I'm sure it's possible. People do it. I read about it. Um, but no, no, no. But, you know, so it was cool because I got to kind of get away from things. But it, it was nice because I was also able to take time to look up, you know, our reviews and to look at things that we don't always have time to do. And all it's really done for me is um, make me want to change things. Do you know what I mean? You know, not not for the bad, but for the better. I think, well, for me and you, anyway. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we, we're so we're going to be making some changes, and um, they're going to be fun stuff. We don't exactly know what, though, so we're gonna we're gonna take some time and and um, try to hash out what the new formula, so to speak, is going to be. Um, and if you like something that we're doing, send us a message. Let us know. We would love to hear you um, and your feedback. And if you want to give us a, a you know an iTunes review, go ahead and do that. Just make sure that if you're going to bitch, you're going to bitch about something that is actually fixable. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, I, I'm excited about the whole new turn of events that the Mac has brought into my life, Rowan. So this is all the Mac's fault. It's all the Mac's <laughs> fault. Well, okay. that and bitchy people, that and bitchy people. Um, but we don't, we can't control bitchy people. Unfortunately, yeah, not that, always. That's why anymore. I don't I, like, that's part of why I just don't bother even looking. Cause I just don't care. I mean, if you, mm-hmm. if you're not happy, like seriously right now, if you're sitting here going, Oh, what the hell? Just shut it off. Go away. I, I just don't right. listen again. I, you know, that's really kind of my attitude. It's like, if you don't like it, you don't, no one's making you listen. No one's making you download it or, you know, listen to it on right. PRN. I mean, nobody's making you come here. You know, this is, you are right. totally here of your own free will. And if you don't like it, leave. So that's pretty mm-hmm. much my attitude. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. Know. Well, you know, and it's hard. It's, 
I talked to a lot of other bloggers and, and um, well, specifically podcast people. I think you talk to more bloggers than I do, but um, I, I do talk a lot with podcasters. I love podcasting. I love the whole genre and the world, and I love being able to do it. It's it's a fun, fun thing for me. Um, but if you, if you, you know, watch the bigger shows, and we're talking outside of the pagan niche, um, because the, the whole pagan niche, oh, pagans are, don't realize how small the movement really is. Well, I think it's, it's so I, easy to jump in and get like lost. You but know? I think too, in really looking back on it in the last, which is just so funny because podcasting has gotten to be such a huge thing, mm-hmm. but in the last six or seven years, maybe even 10 years, even going, you know, to that degree, the amount of pagan podcasts have actually gotten so much smaller and mm-hmm. the amount of consistent pagan podcasts has gotten very minimal. And, yeah. you know, mostly you see people, they do a show once a month, once every couple of months, or then you have the ones that do a show every week, but they're, or every two weeks, but it's like the same thing, you know, and everyone's, you know, and this is mm-hmm. my thing too. This is why I'm so like getting really angsty about podcasting right now, because when it comes to pagan specific shows, you know, I'll go and I'll look, I, I, quite frankly, you know, you and I have talked about this and, and I've actually mentioned this to other people too. I really don't listen to pagan podcasts anymore. Um, mm-hmm. I was back in the day, I was a huge, very consistent listener of several different pagan podcasts, which are no longer around. Um, Dio Shadow was one of my absolute favorite pagan podcasts. And I think they were only around for a year. And that show was so fantastic because it was funny, but smart and different and they were very you know conscious of their um production and what they were offering and trying to give people something a little different than the same thing that every other show was giving um but now it's just you know with a few rare exceptions um you know like eat my pagan ass is great because it's just Mm -hmm. funny and it's a good Mm -hmm. time um you know, I mean, most of them, it's the same story everywhere you go. It's the same topics, the same guests, because when one guest is making the rounds, because it's Mm -hmm. such a small circle of shows, they're on every show and they're all Mm -hmm. talking about the same thing. It's whatever book they have out or whatever CD they have out. You know, no one's just like saying like, Hey, what did you have for dinner last night? Like no one's just having like normal human conversations. It's all. So tell us about the book or CD or movie or tour or whatever that you're pimping out, you know? Mm -hmm. And when you look and you see over the course of like a month or whatever, that the same person has been on every one of those podcasts, you know, it's the same conversation every time. Everyone's asking the same questions because it's all based on whatever their thing is that they're doing. And it's just like, okay, that's, Great. I heard it once. I don't need to hear it five times. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, all the podcasts that I listen to have absolutely nothing to do with paganism. I only listen to a couple um, spiritual-focused ones. I listen to a couple that are specifically um, uh, deal with shamanism and and things like that. But then Mm -hmm. everything else I listen to, I listen to probably three of the different shows that Kevin Smith does. I listen to Jay Moore's show. I listen to The Nerdist. I don't listen. I listen to comedy shows because I want to be entertained. Like, I'm not, you know, if I want to listen to you to learn something, I'm probably more likely to buy your ebook 
or your e-course or your whatever you're doing that's actually meant to be educational. I, you know, if I'm listening to your podcast, I'm usually listening to you either while I'm cleaning, driving somewhere or whatever. And I want to be entertained. I don't want to have to feel like I have to sit and think about it, you know. So that's, you know, that's why I listen to the stuff I listen to. No, no. It's a, and, and that's been a big thing, too. I mean, if you... It, talking to the other, you know, other podcasters and other pagan podcasters, it's it's an interesting kind of genre to be in um, for a couple of reasons. First thing is, I, I think because you were working in some sort of media um, medium um, that people kind of assume that like podcasters have money, which is an interesting, weird, strange concept. Right. It's so funny because like Jay Moore does his show out of his garage. You know, like, yeah. it's so funny. Like, exactly. You know, Kevin Smith does his out of his, I think, his living room or something. Like, yeah. you know. I mean, it, it's, you know, there we like, when I say Modern Witch Studio, um, let's see, the first Modern Witch Studio I had was, like, in the bathroom upstairs because it was the quietest room I could find. Um, and then I and then I ended up going into a closet because it was the quietest room I could find. And then that got hot. So that doesn't happen. So now I record it in my bedroom. But um, but yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's this whole thing that, oh, well, just like with people on TV, you know, just because they're on TV doesn't mean they're making millions of dollars, folks, um, especially if it's like reality shows or, you know, anything like that. People, I think, just jump to the conclusion because they can kind of plug into you for a little bit that, um they know you and they know where you come from and they know, you know, how, how difficult your job is. And then nobody knows that stuff unless you're doing it. You know, mm-hmm. um, I remember when I got to meet Mojo from the Wiggly and Way um, for the first time. And it, it was after a panel and he came up and he shook my hand and, and um, we got to talk. He said, yeah, we're on episode 65. And I remember my jaw just kind of hit the floor because they thought 65 episodes, dear God, you know, all the work that that is. And, and, you know, granted you and I, our show's different because we're on different parts of the country and we don't have a, you know, a, a huge setup yet. I'm working on it though. Um, but, um, so we don't have, we don't have the same stuff that happens with us, you know, that, that will happen with somebody else. And we don't have, um, we had, we never really went as far as they do creating like a, a, a coven or anything for our listeners or anything like that. So we, we have a very different, show than what a lot of other podcasters are doing out there. But one of the things that you and I kind of got fed up with um, was were the teaching shows. Yeah. Like you and I were like, and we're done. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, because a lot of it's like, okay, first of all, folks, we teach this stuff for a living. So, I mean, every week coming on and doing a, a two hours of, you know, granted there's music and, the, you know, the intro part, but there was, you know, every week coming on and doing something where it's educational is really draining because it's like teaching a class for free every week. And so that gets hard, you know, and the other part of that, too, is those are kind of your options when it comes to pagan podcasting. Either you go, you know, kind of super crazy and you do like the super funny stuff um, or you're just a training podcast and there's very there's very little that's kind of in between that and that wasn't what we set out to do like that wasn't the original goal um you know hello we're supposed to be it was supposed to be all about pagan pop culture and you know those kinds of things and hasn't really been that lately so we're gonna fix that well there isn't really much pagan pop culture to talk about there isn't and if it is pagan pop culture it's everyone bitching well yeah i mean and, and quite frankly i just always kind of thought like the whole idea of pagan pop culture it's like yeah, that that was happening in like you know 1996 when the craft right. came out. Yeah, that was a little different. And then that was it. You know, yeah. I mean, like there really isn't. Yeah. 
you know, and then and again, I think that there you're talking about things that are going to be really, um, you know, you're talking about like, you know, having musicians to talk to or to talk mm-hmm. about. And again, you're back to the whole, oh, well, they were on, you know, this other show 20 times mm-hmm. and how much can you really talk about? Right, you right. Know? How much well, can you really, it's... I mean, because like as much as we like having like Kellyanna on, unless we're just mm-hmm. having her here to hang out. It's like, how many times can you talk about three CDs, you know, and, and like right. get something new out of it every time, you know? Right. Right. So. Well, yeah, but it, it's also kind of hard for you and I because being professionals and we don't make money really out of the witchcraft community. I mean, even with like the magazine being I don't out and stuff I, like that. Yeah. Not at all. all the money, all the money that we've gotten from the magazine just goes right back into the magazine, like literally. Um, so it's it's just it's not easy it's it's a little difficult but then i'm finding that you and i are like getting typecast like it like well you probably aren't having i don't know if you're having the issues that i have with it but i know i get um people who you know they see witch and they freak out like if you on my business cards this is devin hunter and then um like my number is like 562 witch you know and it's i've had that forever <laughs> but i've had it forever you know um so uh. What I'm finding is, and I remember when I was, when I first kind of branched off and said, this is what I want to do and, you know, all that stuff years ago, um, I remember my mother told me, my mother, my mother told me, she's like, you are going to shoot yourself in the foot if you go out there into the world and you tell them that you are a witch and that you're doing this stuff professionally, you're going to shoot yourself in the foot and it's going to be really hard for you as a psychic to have jobs and to line this stuff up. And I thought, oh, whatever, mother, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, no, she totally did. Um, and and that's 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 been a difficult thing because witches don't buy readings. You know, A, because every witch thinks they are, that they're perfectly good at reading themselves. Okay. Which is fine. I remember I went, I was, I was um, going to be going to a festival and one of the festival organizers just happened to show up at the shop that I was working at. Um, and, and I said, well, do you guys have any readers there? And he just looked and he laughed and he looked right in my eyes and he said, honey, we're all readers. And of course, in my head, I'm going, you don't read like I read, you know, like you're not as good as I am. But I I don't know that. I have no clue about that. You know, everyone's got their own thing. Everyone, you know, especially in witchcraft, because divination is, you know, it's one of those things that we train in. So, you know, as a witch going out and especially when everything we do, well, at least that I do, it tends to be marketed towards the witchcraft community. You know, I'm not making money off the candles. You know, I'm not making money off of um putting together really crazy bath stuff, you know, bath supplies, like where I have to have stuff imported from Hawaii to make the blend, you know, witches don't want that stuff, you know, because everyone thinks that they can make it there on their own because they all read recipes from Cunningham's, you know, encyclopedia. That's all fine. But it's not, it's, it, it's a very difficult place to kind of be put in, you know, um, like I said, I know I, I know I've I lose clients because I, the, of the word witch, and it isn't for the sake that the reading was bad. The reading could be perfectly fine, you know. It was a fine, you know. I love my job. I love what I do, um, and it just it it sucks sometimes because I do know that it, being a witch makes it a little difficult um, to to just do what I want to do and kind of explore myself in my career and and so yeah, I mean you know, and that's the thing is when it comes to pagans. Um, you know, I've been able to get, 
I have students, you know, and that are very loyal and will, you know, totally be there for everything. And I have really, really wonderful students. But aside from that, they said, rich, witches aren't buying the readings. You know, we know from magazine sales that, you know, people are buying stuff, but um, not as much as I think in my mind going into it, we were going to sell. And I wasn't expecting to sell thousands or anything like that. But um, I just was expecting there to be a little more interest. You know, people say they're interested in stuff. So it's it's been it's been an interesting kind of thing because here I am, you know, looking at myself not just from a psychic perspective, you know, as a professional, but looking at myself in my career and I'm looking at myself in the things that I love to do and I'm like, "Meh. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of getting screwed over here by just totally being there for the witchcraft community all the time, you know. And everyone's always no one's ever truly happy with anything that you're doing. You know, there's always somebody with an opinion, there's always somebody who wants to tell you how to do it better. And after Oh, well, after almost three years of it, I'm just like, you know what, people, you all can go like suck a toe. Like I am just, I'm toe over it. I'm just ready for change and ready for, you know, something new to happen. So there was a minute there, guys, that seriously, like I was like, I don't know, maybe modern, maybe it's time for modern witch to, to take a break, like for permanently or something. You know, I I was getting ready to, to put this, this puppy to bed. And then I got a Mac. Well, that wasn't the saving. The saving grace is that, you know, at the end of the day, I, um, I, I love our listeners. I really do. And, um, I love that, you know, as much as, and I'm not complaining about our listeners, our listeners are great. I mean, when it comes down to, you know, we need feedback or we need, um, you know, somebody to be able to tell us honestly, you know, what's going on and our listeners are those people. So I love our listeners. I'm not complaining about our listeners. It's just the expansion of it. You know, you're going to have your hardcore listeners, people who download the show every single week. You know, and I love those folks because those are the people who come and find us. Those are the people who let us know that they're listening. And then you get the people who they listen, but they don't, you know, engage in anything, which hello, free podcast. That's kind of what it's for, you know, and that's okay. Um, And then you get the people who listen, but are really just so like disempowered in their own lives that they have to like shit all over everyone else's parade. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, those are the people that I just don't want to be around anymore. Because I'm like, folks, you're all just negative. You're all just negative. But I also realized that I don't have to just specifically be doing Modern Witch. I mean, I love I love it. It takes a lot of time every week. I mean, you're looking at about six hours per show, you know, just to get it f- formatted and put together and uploaded. And, you know, all that's about, about six hours. But, um, you know, talking to some other people, some other cool people. Um, you know, like David Salisbury, you know, and we, we've been joking about doing like a pagan geek podcast. And I think yesterday I officially said, yes, this is happening. We were, so, you know, there's going to be some, some fun stuff coming up. So I'm excited, but everyone just has to stay tuned and, and kind of, you know, be there, um, to pay attention for, to stuff. But we've got kind of an interesting show today. Interesting by my standards anyway, because if there's anything that I love, if there's anything that I love in this world, it is talking about Scientology, (laughs) because I think it's fascinating. Now, Rowan, how do you feel about Scientology? I think it's weird, and I and beyond that, I just don't care. (laughs) Because I, I have, you know, I have some friends who like to, I should say, have had friends who have liked to spend their time, you know bashing Scientology but quite honestly I feel I guess in a way I kind of feel bad doing it because 
I know people do that to my beliefs and my belief system. Mm-hmm. So I kind of don't want to put that out there a lot of the time. <laughs> I think it's weird. I think some of the stuff is weird, but I know people look at, at, you know, what I believe and think that's weird, you know? So right. I, it's weird. And I think it's just, I think it's especially very interesting how it's, you know, determines whether or not you're going to be successful in Hollywood. But, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's just so funny. It, <laughs> actually, it's kind of funny. Um, back a handful of years ago, I had a friend who, um, who is now very much an ex-friend, but <laughs> a friend who was very into tearing apart Scientology. And um, the big, one of the big jokes that he used to make all the time was, you know, everybody thought the Jews were in charge of Hollywood. It's not at the Scientologist. And that's so true. Right. When right. you really look at it, like, you know, you look and you see... You know, everybody talks about how, you know, every all the like filmmakers and everybody, they're all Jewish, you know, which is very true. There are a lot. But when you look a lot of there's like, you know, the real underpinnings of Hollywood are Scientologists, you mm-hmm. know, it's really mm-hmm. kind of creepy. But I don't know. So, yeah. So when we're so we're going to take a break um, because that's what we do. Uh, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back and we're going to be talking about Scientology, gay pride and God. And um, yeah, just stay tuned because it's going to be awesome. So we'll be right back. You're listening to The Modern Witch here on the Pagan Radio Network. What are you afraid of? Show me what you're made of. I see what you're feeling. I know what you're dealing with. Yeah, you run a hard, try to run a high. I get you're gonna be on your knees in the end On your knees And there was always something up in the mountain Oh, but until- 
Welcome back to the Modern Witch Podcast, today's pagan pop culture for the Modern Witch. I'm your host, Devin Hunter, and of course, joining me in Studio B in Salem, Massachusetts, is the lovely Rowan Pendragon. Um, and you're listening to us here on the Pagan Radio Network. Was that all the plugs I was supposed I to do? So. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> okay, good. Um, okay, so Scientology. And first of all, okay, can we just say, I am so happy that Katie Holmes is divorcing Tom Cruise. I didn't realize you were that invested in that marriage. <laughs> well, okay, here's the thing. Being a child of the 90s, here it goes. Um, Katie Holmes, of course, was on, like, Dawson's Creek. Okay, so my teen years were really shaped with, like, Buffy and Dawson's Creek and, and you know, all those shows in the WB before they sold it and, you know, all that stuff. But Dawson's Creek was, like, huge. It was a really – I mean, every single week I would tune in. I'd have my phone, like, right next to me. I would call my best friend up at her house and we would talk in the commercial breaks about things that were happening on Dawson's Creek. So Katie Holmes, of course, played Joey on Dawson's Creek. And um, I just loved her. I just loved, 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 loved her. And I'm so happy that at the end, she ended up with Pacey, and it was just all great. And then, like, two years later, she marries Tom Cruise. And it was just weird. Because I'm like, how old is she? She's like, now what? Now she's 33, but how long has she been married to that guy? You know what I mean? And all I'm going to say is, Nicole Kidman got out of there hella fast. It wasn't you know that I mean? fast. They were married for a while. Yeah, but after eyes wide shut, I mean. Oh come it wasn't on, long I would have. Come movie. on, and just <laughs> that was I would like run away from anybody that thought that that was a good idea. That movie, <laughs> right? I right, mean, exactly. Yeah. Well, and then the Scientology stuff. So back to Scientology. So yeah. So oh, Scientology. It, you know, it, here's the thing. I am all about freedom of religion. I mean, hello, I'm a witch. You know, I'm all about do whatever you want to do, do whatever your soul tells you to do, you know, follow your bliss. The scary thing about Scientology, you know, and it's the same thing that I, when I talk about like, um, you know, like Christianity, and um, we talk about like the idea of like the evangelical movement and how, you know, really you've got, you know, let's say 20,000 people in a stadium church and you're all singing and you're all, you know, dancing and you're all moving. Of course, you're going to feel God that's going into an ecstatic state. That's what it's all about. And then you've got some guy, you know, like while you're in this trance experience telling you, oh, well, God wants you to give 10% of everything you make. You know, I mean, it, it's, it's totally brainwashing, you know, in its own unique form. Well, Scientology is the same, but they do it in a totally different setup, like in a totally different way. You yeah. know what I mean? And um, it, I got to go to a, a it's like a world religious conference thing in Columbus a couple of years ago. I don't even know that it's still going on. It was a really small thing, but um, they had contacted like all of the the bigger churches and kind of, you know, religious denominations and in, in, in the uh, the kind of like the tri-state area. And they all came up to the, the fairgrounds in Columbus and we had this huge kind of expose thing. But like I said, it's small in comparison to some of the other ones. But um and I had gone there with a store that I was working with at the time. We were vending, and the owner was supposed to be teaching a witchcraft class. It was like the like the history of witchcraft or something. And of course, at like the last minute, she just decided, "Oh, I don't think I want to do that anymore." As there's a room full of people, and you know all this stuff. So, guess who got to teach the class? Um, and while I was teaching the class, there was this guy that like came up 
and he kind of stood in the door and listened and listened and then kind of like at one point just kind of turned around and walked away and I finished the class and I come out and, you know, everyone comes up and says hi and, you know, talks to you for a little bit afterwards. And after everyone was gone, this guy comes up and uh, he says, oh, you're, you're a witch. And I'm like, I absolutely am. You know, nice to meet you. My name's Devin. Shook his hand. And, um, and I said, well, you know, who are, who are you here with? You know, who are you representing? And he said, oh, I'm with the Church of Scientology. And I went, oh, wonderful. I would love to talk to you because I've got some questions. I am the type of guy that I try really, really hard to to always, you know, find out from the source, you know, because everyone's a hater, you know, everyone's got haters. So you always want to go to the source as much as you can and, you know, figure out what's going on. So I ended up going to his booth. And of course, there's like, you know, stacks of paperback books from Elrod Hubbard and, you know, um, just the their um that one what is it the machine the dianetic machine or whatever um you know where you hold the two like they look like little metal um cylinders in your hand and it, it like basically rates your thetas or whatever mm. and i remember like him putting these in my hand and just kind of looking at this little machine that was supposed to like spike if there was like any activity or something and just thinking this is all a bunch of bullshit like that was the that was the only thought that went through my head. This is all a bunch of bullshit. So then I start asking him questions, and I'm like, okay, so what's this whole thing about Xenu? And he says, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, well, Xenu, you know, like the like the the alien dude who you know was flying around on a spaceship and crashed to the Earth, you know, because there was a great intergalactic war, and you know, that's how humanity got started. At least that's you know what that's the story I was told, you know, about where Scientology kind of approaches the whole thing. And um, he's, again, looking at me like I have four heads. And he said, I know I really don't know what you're talking about. I said, so there's no aliens in Scientology? And he said, no, we don't have any aliens. And I, I'm like, but we've all, like, seen Battlefield Earth. And, like, we've all, we know where... L. Ron Hubbard came up with all of this stuff. Like, that's not, that's totally public knowledge. Like, everyone knows, you know, the religion was started by a science, you know, a science fiction author. Everyone knows this. So, and everyone knows about Xenu and everyone knows about all this stuff. And there's been plenty of, like, ex-church members that come out finally and, you know, say, oh, my God, they had sweatshops and, you know, da, da, da. I mean, it's a crazy-ass religion. But this guy just totally put the face up of, I have no clue what you're talking about. And had I not been... Um, had I not be one of those people who I could, if somebody's lying to me, I can tell, like, I've always been able to tell if someone's full of shit, you know, just, especially if you're lying to my face, because everyone gives it away, you know, no one's really a good liar these days. So, um, I knew the guy was full of crap, but then I thought to myself, what are these poor people getting themselves into? You know, they, you, you go in and Scientology is all about, um, you know, helping people with like learning disabilities. That's another, that's one of the big things that I thought was interesting. So like people who have like dyslexia. So you go in, you become a member of the Church of Scientology, like Tom Cruise has dyslexia. And um, they, their whole thing is, well, we, we can help you by basically retraining your brain to um, kind of function a little quicker when it comes to certain things and, you know, to, to kind of perceive things in a different way. Um, so I, I get that there's there's a lot of that. But I remember like reading in, in magazines, like I remember like in People, there was a couple years ago, there was a whole um, uh, like ad out for the Church of Scientology. 
like an actual ad they mm-hmm. took out in like People magazine, and I thought that was crazy. You know, and I, religions who who proselytize in that kind of way, like if you're putting up giant you know ads in magazines and you've got you know commercials running on TV, I think that's just a little wrong to me. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's if that's the way that you you know want to get your message out there. I mean, I don't know. Ugh, I don't know. But it, so, okay. So science, yeah, so the guy was just weird and he just totally was like deflecting every question I was asking. So finally I was just like, all right, we're done. And I go back to my booth and I'm just kind of sitting there and I'm thinking, you know, this, it, he could have just been honest. You know, I mean, you're at this, this conference, you know, where all these religions are supposed to be, you know, meeting together and talking. And the guy was totally just like bold face lying to me. And then you, I mean, and you can, you can go online, you can go to any of the ex church websites, which is, there's some really good stuff on the ex church websites, but uh, there's, they're creepy. The Scientology, like, I, I don't think it's necessarily the people, you know, like within every religion, the people who are, who are definitely like on the bottom of the totem pole, you know, they don't know what's going on you know they don't know everything we know that there's like um interesting like layers to the church and you know all kinds of stuff now chaz chaz had an experience where he actually went to a scientology church and it was totally by accident (laughs) um he he had to pick up like a friend from work or something and i guess they that where their job was was like right above the like the scientology center so they'd have to so he had to go into this building and wait in the lobby which just happened to be of the scientology center and um you know people were coming up to him and asking him to oh would you like to would you like to take a test would you like to do this so you know eventually after like the 15th time he's finally like okay whatever let's do it so he sits down and he's filling out stuff and then they take him to like a room in the back and then they end up moving him to another room in the back and then he just kept going further and further and further into the church and then basically like slapped a, um, oh, we can do the, all this stuff with you, but you need to sign up right now and it's going to be X amount of money, you know, and it's the same stuff that like fraudulent psychics do, you know, oh, I can, I can take this curse off of you for $300, but I have to meditate for 11 hours and blah, 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 blah. You know, it's the same stuff. You're just going at a completely different angle. Um, but eventually he had to like look at the guy and say, I want to leave now. And they were still trying to get him to like stay and they were still trying to, and he eventually had to get a little rough with him and be like, I need, I want to go now. Like, I, I need to leave right now. You know? So, I mean, little creepy, little creepy. And now your experience with Scientology, Rowan. I don't have one. <laughs> that's probably not a bad thing. Like, that's really probably not a bad thing. I mean, thing. I've never um, been in a Scientology. I mean, I've passed them. I mean, you can, um... I'm trying to think. There's one actually not too far from where I live. There's a, I believe it's a Scientology church. Um, I think it's called Church of the, Church of Jesus Christ the Scientist or something like that. So I'm guessing it's a Scientology church. Hmm. I think. I don't know. Um, I And in Boston, various areas of Boston, you walk around and you walk past, you know, the little storefront type thing and... Um, and we had him in San Diego, but I mean, I've never been in one and I've never been approached to take the hold the dildo test. You know, I've never, right. my experience with Scientology is, you know, pretty much like watching that episode of um, South Park where Cartman <laughs> became a Scientologist and, and mm-hmm. listening to friends of mine who 
our very anti-Scientology uh, talk about um, what was the thing about black people? I forget what that one was. What that story is all about? Like they're al- are they aliens or? I, I forget. No There's a whole clue. thing about like black people are bad and and um. That's weird. Yeah, they have a whole thing where they're like you know anti-African American. Uh, you know, like there's something like. Believe that they, if I remember right, it has something like, you know, there's, if you have dark colored skin, there's something like wrong with you. So there's like something like that. It just like, I don't Good really, God. you know, I've never read any of Ronald Hubbard's books. I did. I never saw Battlefield Earth because I just felt bad for John Travolta. So I never bothered to see it. Um, it, ugh, you know, yeah. because I, I growing up, huge John Travolta fan. He was, I was a, when I was little, Welcome Back, Cotter was one of my favorite shows. He was one of my favorite people on that show. I I think one of the first, my mother loves to tell this story, one of the first movies I ever saw as a child in the theater, apparently, was Saturday Night Fever. She took me <laughs> because she couldn't get a babysitter, and I think I was like two at the time, so she had to take me with her, and I danced all over the place to the music. Um, but I've always been a big fan of John Travolta. I really... Um, I really like him as an actor, but when I saw him, like the promo pictures of him and I knew, you know, he's a Scientologist and I already knew that, you know, it was based on L. Ron Hubbard stuff. I'm like, I'm just not going to, I'm going to pretend that this is like, you know, one, like an actor making, here's a perfect example, although this is a very recent example, but it's very similar to, um, the movie that Martin Sheen and Emilio Estevez did a few years ago that was a Christian movie I'm not going to see it because it's based on things that I am not into anyway, even though these are actors I really enjoy. I'm not going to see it because I know I'm going to hate it just based on the general topic. So it's kind of like that, you know, so I never saw Battlefield Earth. So I really don't have a Scientology, you know, experience other than thinking it's a little odd, but... Now, okay, so I'm looking up stuff about Scientology and black people because that was weird for me. I was like, what? Yeah, I saw a cartoon once. A friend of mine had showed me there was a, like, some kind of, I guess, like, they have training cartoons. And there is something about, I forget, now I forget what it was, but something about the, uh, about where black people come from. And it was weird. Yeah, yeah, it, it's just, it, it, yeah, it's weird. I remember, um, it was probably maybe six months ago. There was a story that had come out about um, some people that had actually escaped a Scientology camp, which is super creepy. And and we, and we read a little bit about it before the show too. They have like the, their Sea Org, which is um, it, at one point really was a maritime church. Essentially, they they were able to yeah, um, because if you look at the way the the kind of borders work you you can go so far outside of a country into the ocean and then the country loses its sovereignty so once you get in international seas it's anyone's game and so the scientology back in the 60s were taking these boats and these ships and they were going out into the ocean because they could get away with pretty much anything there and um and then eventually they started shutting things down and and kind of bringing uh, these these stations onto land and um so one of these stations, I know that there was a guy who said like, oh, I got like $20 a week 
to sit and like fold pamphlets all day, every day long. And I wasn't allowed to, you know, eat anything. And all we had was water. And it was really weird. Like it's really that just creepy stuff. But he had escaped and there was this big expose. And then, you know, anytime anything goes on with Scientology, you know, I, I tend to hop on and kind of look up just because you don't know. Like there's just stuff we don't know. We're always, you know, every week there's something else coming out about, like you just said, you know, like, oh, they don't like black people. Well, automatically, you're weird if you don't like well, black that people was, because they're I black. I think that was one of the only things like that. And then there was something about, um, oh, man, I forget where I heard this. <laughs> this was another one of these just weird, like, somebody I knew told me this story about if you, like, something has to do with clams. And, like, if you go up Ugh. to someone and you make, like, you know, clam hands. <laughs> I don't know how to, I'm doing it and I know no one can see me. But, like, and you do, like, clam hands. Like, it has something to do with, like their evolution or something and like they remember having been a clam oh my god like this is like this is why i don't really have a scientology story because i hear these weird things from people and i'm like that can't be real so i'm not Mm -hmm. going to remember this (laughs) it's like Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm gonna take my forget this pill and i'm just gonna pretend we didn't have this conversation because i i i don't know it's just it's something about clams and then the, the thing mm-hmm. about black people, like, that's it. And I've never, never gone in and, you know, had any of the Kool-Aid, so to speak. So I don't know. I don't know. You know, it's, it's well, the, the thing that's scary to me is that, okay, like, when, at least when the Catholic Church does stuff, like when they make, when they build huge, you know, churches or you know, whatever, they've been around long enough that we pretty much know what to expect out of the Catholic Church. Like, they're always going to be anti-gay, they're always going to be against condoms, they're always, you know, okay, fine. You you know that going into it. So you know that you're dealing with people who, at least from the, you know, the church hierarchy, that are just really going to be staunch about certain things. But it's transparent enough that you can figure it out, you know, and the church has enough enemies, um, all over the world that there's stuff it just can't get away with, you know, necessarily Scientology and like Mormonism are different because, you know, Mormonism here in the States is huge. Um, in certain parts of the States, rather it's, it's rather, here it is. I just found it. Wait a minute. The L Ron Hubbard apparently said that humans evolved from clams. So that's the clam thing. (laughs) Just, it's just weird. But I mean, you know, it's, well, it's like, well, you know, like with yeah. the Catholic Church, here's, well, you know, because that kind of brings something up. I kind of grew up Catholic, and I I use, I always like describe this as a very loose thing, because I went to CCD, you know, I took the classes, I've made, I made communion, made confirmation, um, I went to church sometimes, not every week. My parents aren't religious, so... The only reason I was doing it was at the time was because my great grandmother was still alive and, you know, Italian. Hello. You know, there's no way Mm. that I can't do this stuff because I'm so not kidding you. I made my confirmation. I was 16 and I don't remember. I don't remember exactly like the chain of events. But then like um, for some reason, my sister was able to get out of having to do any of that. And she was able to not have to go to CCD anymore so that she could play softball. 
I I mm. had no choice. I being the eldest daughter in the you know very Italian great with very Italian uh, great grandmother was like no you must go. But it, it when I made my confirmation, I'd already been practicing Wicca for three years, and most of my family kind of knew that because I was being you know fairly mm-hmm. open about what I was into. Um, but I've always said, and this has always kind of been my stance. And I was it's funny that this has been we're even talking about this because I was thinking about this today was in the car going to take the cat for another visit to the vet. And mm-hmm. on the way, I was listening to um, OutQ on Sirius, and they were talking this morning about some stuff in the news, and they were talking about something about the Catholic Church. And I was thinking how – oh, this is what it was, because they're talking about how in Italy and France – France is France and Italy are both very Catholic countries. They're predominantly Catholic. But Italy is now working towards um, – instituting laws for um to either recognize civil unions or marriages for gay couples and how this Mm -hmm. is like this thing where now they're trying to like okay we need to be more progressive because we're one of the few european countries that don't have anything to you know in this regard and Mm -hmm. uh, then the big thing is of course fearing backlash from the vatican who's like in your backyard you know because you don't want that to happen but i'm thinking as as i'm listening to this i'm just thinking about you know, not being gay, I have my own other issues with, you know, the Catholic Church, obviously. Mm-hmm, but um, mm-hmm. I've always kind of thought, you know, if I had to pretend to be something other than what I am, I could easily pretend to be Catholic and no one would ever oh, know yeah. the difference. No one would you know? ever know. Yep. There are a lot yep. of weird things that go on in the Catholic Church, but a lot of them kind of harken back to elements of European witchcraft anyway. And, mm-hmm. you know, so it's really easy to kind of like if when people are like, oh, the Catholic Church is so weird. Look, you're a witch. If you can't look at the Catholic Church and figure out like what's going on as far as like mass and ri- and the rituals that happen within like a mass service and things like that, then you don't know your mm-hmm. own, you know, practices very right. well. I mean, yeah, you could yeah, very absolutely. easily as a pagan pretend to be a Catholic. Like, you know, I mean, we have, you know, if you're an open-minded pagan and you work with and honor saints as well, you can walk around with like a saint medal and, you know, not be worshiping them in the Catholic construct or we're looking at them in that way. And people could look at you and just assume because you're wearing a saint medal that you must be Catholic and no one would ever know. You could be burning incense in your house, you know, doing little lighting novenas. No one would ever know. They would think you're Catholic as long as you're not like saying, Hey, by the way, I'm a witch, you know? Right. Right. Well, yeah, the two go hand in hand quite right. well. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, the it's Scientology. It's it's totally right there as far as I'm concerned with like Mormonism. Um, they probably have more money than the Mormonism does, and over here. And I know, well, I think in every country now there is not every country, but you know, in in most larger countries, there's at least um, one like tabernacle or one of the like, one of their big temples. Like they, I just recently found out they have one in San Diego. Oh yeah, the the one in the uh, Mormon church. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a huge one in La Jolla. Um, I used to live like down the street from it. And when you actually, it's so funny. My husband one time when he was out in San Diego visiting before we lived there, the temple's gorgeous. I mean, you can see this thing from the freeway for like you know a good mile and a half as you're approaching it because it's huge. And the top. Mm-hmm. As all of these temples do, because if you look at one Mormon temple to and another in another place, like they look fairly identical. 
Um, and mm-hmm. that's by design, I do believe, because they have certain rooms that have to be in it and yeah. all that sort of thing. But on the very top, yeah. there's always a big golden statue of Gabriel blowing the horn. And so mm-hmm. my husband was there and he had gone up to the temple and he was in the parking lot and he was trying to take pictures. And he managed to get a couple um, pictures of uh, the statue of Gabriel. And they and somebody came out from the church and like told him he had to get off. He was trespassing, blah, blah, blah. You can't take pictures of the church. And very mm-hmm. weird. But um, yeah, yeah, there's a huge one in San Diego. It's really it's but it's beautiful. And when you drive by at night when they're having service and it's all lit up, it's gorgeous. But yeah, they, they do look because there was uh, there's somewhere in uh, Bill Maher's uh, religious documentary. There's he, he has the same experience. Basically, they were on the front grounds of a temple. Oh, yeah. And I think yeah, it might have been yeah. one in San Diego. It and might be. and they got shooed off for for being there. And it's and apparently mm-hmm. like that's pretty like if you're not if they don't know you and you're not Mormon like get off our <laughs> get off our temple yeah but um yeah but it's it's okay for them to convert you after you die well you got to go in but they just don't the want you on their lawn go in the white room and I mean for anyone who's watched anyone who's watched Big Love and yeah. has there's some good there's some good yeah um yeah well especially in like that fifth season mm-hmm. they they actually go inside well they kind of recreate but they go inside one of the temples and they got and, in a lot of trouble from the mormon church uh-huh. they were pissed about that because they were basically yeah. revealing secret you know rituals that happened within the church because apparently it was very mm-hmm. accurate so whoever was doing it was the, very the research accurate, for yeah. the writers like actually got somebody to tell them what really happens in those it's, ooh, it gives me um, the it gives me the heebie-jeebies Mormonism, and I, but I, I think it's fascinating. I mean, when Big Love came out, we were hooked. Um, I think we, well, we 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 caught on to it. I think a couple of years after it was, it had already been airing. But I, like, by the time season four was out, I think we had been completely caught up, and we had seen everything. And, um, and so we were just really, really hooked on Big Love. We thought, oh, you know, this is great. And of course, polygamy, polyamory, totally different things, but they're not, you know, of course, there's some singularities and there's some, you know, whatever. So we, we paid attention, we watched and, and um, I really loved the story and I really felt for those women and, you know, the, the experience that, you know, that they were having and then getting to drive through Utah Ugh. because that's like Mormon, you know, that's like Mormon mm-hmm. Holy Land. Um, but getting to drive through Utah, now that was weird. Staying in Salt Lake City was weird. Um, and it, staying in Salt Lake City was really, really, really weird. I was very happy to get up and go the next yeah, morning. Yeah, I've never been in, um, I never made it into, ooh. up to Salt Lake City. I've been through Southern Utah, and I mm-hmm. think I've done that once, and I will never do it again. It was creepy yeah. and weird and just like... Talk yeah. about feeling like you're on another planet. It was just very strange. Exactly. And it's just this desolate place. And then when you run into people, it's just it's just strange because they live in such an isolated just setting. They really do. Yeah. Southern Utah. Well, you know, you es- essentially Utah, you Utah was going to be its own country. <laughs> I have to tell you. Yeah. Yeah. But. No, that, that was the thing. I mean, as far as the Mormons were concerned, they were going off to find, you know, a new right. country. So they could be isolated. So they could, you know, it just, it gives me the heebie-jeebies. And, I, and I've and i got a student of mine who was raised Mormon and, you know, up until recently she pretty much was. 
So it, there's some interesting stuff, but I'm looking at like Scientology, I'm looking at Mormonism, and, you know, like I said, in comparing these things to the Catholic Church, but you do, you get these huge institutions that are, you know, getting obscene amounts of money. And now Mitt Romney, of course, with the whole political thing, which I've actually been kind of politically, you know, unplugged lately, which is probably a good thing for everyone. But, um, you know, the whole thing with like Mitt Romney, he's not like directly answering any questions about his faith like at all. And people have been just really blatant, like, okay, well, how do you, you know, um, how, as a Mormon, how do you um, feel that the presidency is going to affect you? And, you know, because you end up, regardless of who you are, you end up walking into that office as president, and you're going to end up still in some way or another being kind of morally responsible, you know, responsible to your, your faith system. You know, I, I, I'm like, I'm pretty cool with like Obama, because he's pretty good about keeping that separate, you know, because there should be a separation between church and state and all that good stuff. But, you know, Mitt Romney's not answering these questions, and he's trying to say, it's not about my religion, it's about my ethics. Well, no, absolutely, it is about your religion. You know, ethically, you're, I think he's fine. Like, I don't really have a whole lot of issues with him other than the gay marriage thing and, you know, da 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 But essentially, I want to know about his religion and how his religion is going to impact his presidency, because it absolutely well, does. Well, I think it kind of depends, because unless you're someone who's like George W. Bush, who wants to spend his day sitting in his, you know, in the Oval Office talking to God and having God tell you what to do, it, unless you're one of those kinds of people, I don't know that your religion necessarily is, is that. Because your religion, if if you are following your religion as the way that religion is meant to be, be used then then your religion dictates your ethics and if your ethics seem Mm -hmm. okay then how you actually do your you know live your life spiritually outside of that i could care less i mean but it's it's the people who then turn around and go oh well god told me to do this you know or god said i needed to you know start this war invade this country whatever that's where there's a problem well, no, and I, I totally get you, but when we're, when, if, if, okay, so let's say Mitt Romney gets to become president, and he gets up there, and all of a sudden he finds himself in a conflict because, oh, well, you know what, actually, gays, hmm, no, I know that, you know, the last 20 years have been all about gay rights and all this stuff, but my religion tells me that gays should not not only have the right to get married, but in a perfect world could be stoned. So why would I want to give any energy? Why would I want to give any attention to these people? Okay. So there's that part. Then they were looking at some of the other stuff that, you know, when it comes to like finances in the Mormon church, you know, they're actually pretty smart with their finances, I guess to say. Um, that's one of those things that I think we, I, I know I talk a lot about with, with Chaz is, you know, these, these different religions and how they approach like finances. And, and as pagans, we kind of go, Ugh, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Yeah. They're going to charge you all this money. But what they did, what Mormonism was really good about doing was they created a, like a currency between the church. And so the church was able to build a, a um, not just a monetary system between itself, but it was able to build, um, you know, they were able to get support, they were able to invest, they, you know, they knew that by investing monetarily into their religious structure, that they were going to be benefiting themselves in the long run, which they did, you know, and Scientology did, right. you know, just because we don't agree with it doesn't mean that it wasn't a good idea. You know, pagans will never do that. That's why we can't get a freaking temple. Right. And I mean, you know? this was actually something that um, the last time that we were on um, on Hex Education that came up and we had talked about a bit because 
you know, there's a problem where in, and it's, you know, unfortunately, I have to say it, it's, it's really within the pagan community itself, and it doesn't seem like it's changing. It seems actually like it just keeps getting worse with every year that goes by. But, you know, the community, people in the community say things like, you know, like, for example, they see what happened down in D.C. with opening up the, the library and the, the community center in D.C., and they say, I want that. I want to have right. that where I live. Well, it takes more than wanting it. You need to now no shit. raise the money, get together the people, get the support, and make it happen. But unfortunately, most pagans are very apathetic towards these things. They don't want to spend the money. They don't want to take the time. They would rather see someone else come along and run with their great idea and make it happen for mm-hmm. them. Because I have And then seen they want to bitch about it. And been involved in because somebody took that different idea. <laughs> groups who have had like land funds for years, years mm-hmm. and years, just trying to get enough money to buy a small something, a house, a little mm-hmm. piece of land to build on something so that they can have their own, you know, ritual space and community space without having to worry about somebody coming along and booting them out or not renewing their lease or whatever. And for years, not being able to even raise enough money to put a down payment on something. And that's because the pagan community, I don't really think, truly wants these things. Because there's this double-edged sword where there's this other idea that, well, we're all independent and sovereign and we all have our own beliefs and we don't want to be organized, you know. But it would be really cool to have a place to go for Lunasaw, you know. (laughs) But nobody wants to actually take the time to say, okay, well, why don't we, you know put our resources into really creating something. Oh, well, I'd so much rather have someone else do it. I don't want to be responsible, you know. Well, exactly. But even then, I mean, there's there's these really great, like, locations that do exist that, you know, are run by pagans, like Wisteria in Ohio, or there's that, like, Diana's Grove, which I think is, like, in in Illinois, maybe. But, you know, there's these really great places that do exist that pagans never dish out five bucks for. Right, Well, but, you know, yeah, they're going to Because that's bitch. the other thing, too, is that now, it, even if somebody does go ahead and, you know, manage to open up a space or or whatever, you know, it's, it's kind of the same thing even if somebody rents a space to hold an event at. Well, now you need to help support the fact that event's happening. Mm-hmm. So by paying an admission fee or chipping in somehow or, you know, whatever. And again, it's that whole, well, I don't want to, why should I have to pay you for this? You know, that's why when we look at other communities not even necessarily talking about like church in the churchy sense but even just like community wise Mm -hmm. this is why other communities even outside of spiritual communities are able to do so well for themselves and and have or you know have some kind of sense of actual community beyond you know being on each other's blogs on the friggin' internet because Mm -hmm. they're able to get out in the real world and create what they want and put the money and put the time and, and you know and put it all together and make it happen you know, time and time again, you know, I, because where is everybody? They're on Facebook. So everyone's on Facebook talking about, oh, that's great that DC was able to open this. I wish someone would do it in my town. Well, why not you? Why does it have to be someone else? Why not you? Why don't you go and do it? Well, because it's the same exact thing with people, you know, getting on iTunes and bitching about stuff. It's just because they, you know, it's easier to complain about something than it is to get off your butt and do it. And it's easier to tear down and this is the other part of it. 
It's easier to tear down the good faith efforts and the good work that is being done by other people because everyone has an opinion. Right. You know, I mean, that's the thing. You look at these these really great communities that, like, yeah, like you said, are outside of paganism, even outside of spirituality. And they're doing so much for themselves because they're able to look and say, you know what, we all have a common goal. And we know that, yeah, it would be great to have a, you know, a location to go be spiritual at or whatever, or, you know, have our meetings at or any of those things. But our common goal has to be what drives us. And it has to be able to be that, you know, we're looking into the future and we're, we're marking this goal and that we're going to do whatever it takes, you know, to, to make this goal happen because it's something we believe in. When it comes to pagans, you know, it's, it's a lot of, I'm out for myself. I'm not going to help anybody else out. And, you know, and I always, but it's funny because, Pagans are really great about taking on other people's drama. Mm-hmm. You know, pagans are really good about um, helping somebody, you know, pay their bills. You know, I've been able to, I, I've been able to, you know, make phone calls on, you know, the behalf of, of friends of mine and, you know, who, who were having a hard time and pagans are always there well, to, you know, help that always. kind of stuff out. Well, that's not always there, too. but I've been, exactly, I've been lucky mm-hmm. to have a, a, you know, a good community base, but, you know, so I can't say that the, the heart isn't there the the drive isn't there the initiative to be something more than a bunch of people who you know are are looked at as always you know the the whole stereotypical pagan images of some fat white chick with bad acne Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know that's what everybody you know when you go there that's what it is and so it's hard for us you know if we're not going out and we're not um you know raising money for our things you know, like our temples and, and like our communities. If the community isn't supporting itself, then it's not going to go anywhere. I mean, that's just how it works, folks. Well, here's something, you know, you know in line with all of that, that I, that I think is important to kind of mention. You know, we're getting into pagan pride season. And for the most part, you know, most pagan prides don't charge any money. But they do ask for donations when you go. Um, most of them do. And when you're there, if you're attending a pagan pride event during uh, September... Um, or August, if you're having them earlier in your area. Um, you know, if you're seeing someone doing a workshop and they're selling books or CDs or a product or whatever, buy something. Mm-hmm. I mean, these people, and I can tell you from experience from being on both ends of the, of the yep. Pagan Pride thing, it takes yep. a lot of time and a lot of effort to put together Pagan Pride. And for people who are presenting at Pagan Pride, you know, they're not getting paid. You know, even when you go and you teach at a festival or whatever, you're not, generally, you're not getting paid. You may have gotten a little gas money. They may be providing a meal for you if it's, a, you know, mm-hmm. cash, um, you know, like cash cafeteria type setup. But you're not getting paid. And so everything no. that you get, aside from the warm, fuzzy feeling of having done a workshop and helped some people out and met some cool people... All that you get financially that to, to support your ability to do these things is for people to buy your stuff or book a reading with you later if you're doing readings mm-hmm. or whatever. So when you go to these things, instead of just sucking everything up for free, donate some money, offer your time to something. If there's an, if the group that's putting on your Pagan Pride has you know an, another event coming up, you know a lot of them do different charity things and you know like community cleanups and things like that. Chip in your time, buy product from vendors, buy the food that's there, support the people doing the workshops. That's what our community needs. We need to put our money back into the community. We need to help mm-hmm. the community grow. 
And the way that we do that is by going direct to the small vendors, to the, you know, directly to the authors and the artists, not Amazon, not, you know, all that stuff. It's going direct. And one of the great ways to do that is by supporting individuals and groups when you're at events like Pagan Pride. Because everybody loves going to Pagan Pride because, like, oh, I get to go see, you know, so-and-so give a workshop. But now buy a book of theirs while you're there, you know, if they have them for sale. Like, do more than just go and you know, suck everything up, give something back when you're in that. Well, exactly. And that's why I quit touring. You know, that's exactly why I quit touring is by the time you, you drive to another state and you, you know, put your tin up and you put all your, you know, your stuff out and you go to teach and it's, it's a lot of energy to deal with anyway. And you never know who's going to be there and you know what their problems are going to be. And it ended up being that I would find myself, being a priest all the time, which is perfectly okay. I'm, 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 that's what I do. Um, but it gets really exhausting, you know, and it gets really exhausting when you drive for, you know, nine, 12 hours to get somewhere you set up and then you spend your entire time listening to somebody, um, complain about their lives and, you know, all that just negative stuff. And you try to help them out and you try to do this, that, and the other. And next thing you know, you've spent six hours sitting there talking to someone and you know, you're not going to get a penny from it. And that you're there to work, but that person doesn't understand that, you know, and it's hard. It's, it's not an easy thing. Like I said, that's why I quit touring is by the time I was all sent out with them, like, I'm not even making gas money, mm-hmm. you know, to get to these places. I'm not even doing that. And I'm glad that everyone, you know, can get a piece of me and that's fine, but I came here to work, you know, and that's the thing. It, it, and it's, it's difficult to being a, a professional, so to speak, you know, a professional witch or professional pagan where you do go around, you do teach, you do do readings, you, you know, you do that work. It's not easy. And it's not easy when the community isn't um, supporting you. It's even worse when they want you to be there and they're telling you how important you are, but um, that they're not willing to even give you five bucks. You know, it's it's difficult. So when you do go to those things, those people are doing it pro bono. They are coming in, they are donating their time, the organizers are donating their time, and those things don't just happen overnight, folks. We're talking months, yeah. sometimes years of planning for a festival, and even a one-day event that takes months to plan. And then, you know, people show up, they soak it all up, and then they leave. And they usually leave messes mm-hmm. that the pagan, you know, the pagan people then have to, you know go and pick up and it's just yeah it's it's a lot of work and then there not only is there not enough support but then there's like this disrespect for the actual process i think you know i think a lot of festival organizers don't get nearly as much love as they need and i think part of Um, that has to do with the fact that you know and having been involved in some big festivals in the past i know that a lot of time the general public doesn't really know what the process is because they're not let in on it unless they volunteer And I think Mm -hmm. that one of the ways that might be helpful for the community to get that general idea and, you know, from now and in the future is that if you're working on something like this, you kind of like let other people know, like, you know, whether it's updates on your website, you do a blog. I think it'd be great to see somebody who's doing a big festival do like a blog that shows their process from beginning, like from, you know, the either the end of the last one or the inception of the idea that we're going to have this festival and kind of share the process like step by step and like all the, the, the highs and the lows and all the good stuff and the bad stuff that comes along because people don't realize that, you know, when you like, let's say that you're going to do a, you know, a Beltane festival, it takes a whole year to get that festival going. So like when Beltane is over, 
May 2nd, you're already planning for April 30th of the following year. You know, you're right, already right. starting. You're deciding, okay, who who do we have at this festival this time that we want to invite back? And then, like, you pretty much, like, have to invite those people back right away and get in their ear and yep. be like, you know, we it was great to have you. Would you be interested in coming back next year? And a lot of festivals you'll see have the same people come back every year because they really enjoy it. And But, you know, they wouldn't be coming back if it wasn't, like, almost immediate, like, can you come back next time? Because people's schedules, especially during um, certain Sabbaths and festival times, get booked really fast. So mm-hmm. there's that. And then you have people that they commit to come. And then because it's a whole year away, three months, six months down the road, they have to cancel for some reason. Emergencies come up and things happen. People you know, lose their jobs and can't afford it. And the festival can't afford to get you there. There was actually... <laughs> One of the festivals that I was involved in years ago, I know a couple years ago when they were trying to um, get their Beltane Festival together for the year, they had originally had one of our favorite people, Z Budapest, set up to be their keynote speaker. And Z Budapest couldn't afford her plane ticket. And so the festival couldn't afford her plane ticket. So now they were taking donations just to get Z mm-hmm. Budapest out to the festival. So, I mean, that's mm-hmm. like the level it gets to that I don't think people understand. And I think that no. it would be awesome to see someone who actually does a festival or a group of people that actually do a festival to publicly show, look, this is what it's really like. Like, this is what really happens. Yeah. And like, so that people can understand, because unless you ever volunteer to be involved on a festival committee, you have no idea how much blood, sweat, and tears go into putting on that, you know, eight-hour thing that happens once a year. Right. It's way right. more than you think. Well, and yeah, we've been saying for years that, like, so, like, Heather Killen, the, the lady who runs the um, Earth Warriors Festival in Ohio, we've been saying for years that, like, the last week to two weeks before the festival, somebody needs to, like, be there with her to, like, follow her around with a camera. Mm-hmm. Because it's, like, constant phone calls – I mean, I feel bad for her. Like, from the mid, from they start at four o'clock in the morning, and I'm being dead serious. Like, the entire week, the phone is constantly ringing. It's it's either you know somebody who is supposed to be coming in for the festival, whose flight's getting delayed, or you know something, or so and so can't make it. So you know this other, they were going to find a replacement, and it's really crazy stuff. Not to mention all the packing, you know, because mm-hmm. then you've got to like the anybody who's involved in the festival, you load your car up with everything that you can put in there so that you can go to the festival and everyone who shows up has you know an awning to stand under if it's raining or you know any of those things it's a lot of freaking work and everybody's like oh i paid my 70 dollars to come in yeah you have no idea how covers 70 dollars just covered all that covers i mean because most festival sites per night and this is from personal experience like looking into all this because I helped out many a festival, but uh, most most like per night are are forty to fifty dollars mm-hmm. ahead, and so that's like what you know you pay your seventy dollars. Well, if it's if it's thirty bucks ahead, that's sixty bucks right there gone. You know, just for a two day festival because you stayed the night there two nights and with your tent. You know, but that's the price you pay for being able to be in an exclusionary space where there isn't going to be, you know, muggles walking in and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But it's it's not easy. People don't people really don't understand and appreciate the work that goes into it. Um, but anyway, I digress. So, yeah. So like like Rowan's saying, go 
like spend your money people like seriously if you know pagan pride's coming up put 20 bucks aside so you can actually give something you know energetically speaking that's an important thing too well energetically you're giving it by showing up you know which i think everybody should at the very least show eh. up to um whatever is near you even if you have to drive a few hours god forbid get in your car make a day of it go have a good time but that's i but the thing is i i don't really think that the, i think you know, you could to say like, oh, just showing up, you're supporting, I think is a really just not effective way of that, approaching. That what I'm saying, it. but no, this is actually, it is in a way, because I have seen several um, different, in at least in the New England area, several different pagan prides have to stop because they don't even get enough people to warrant, you know, doing it. So. No, 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 no. I, I yeah, I, I hear you there. I hear you there. Yeah, there's nothing worse than having to cancel something because there's not enough people that show up or, you know, any of those things. No, no, I, I totally absolutely hear you there. Um, I, I, I just think it's important to be really be there when you show up. You know, there's a lot of people who come to festivals and they're just kind of zoned out and, and just kind of end up being little sponges for things. You know, so the people who do show up, you know, you end up running into some really crazy people who are just there to like be little vampires and, you know, just cling on to people. And and uh, and then by the time it's all said and done with, you had, you know, a nine year old adult male like attached to you all day because, you know, whatever. It's it's yeah, I don't know. I, I Pagans need to get real. Pagans need to wake up. That's where I'm at. That's my whole spiel. Scientology. It's back to Scientology. Um, yeah, so they're getting a divorce. This is a good thing. But apparently she's being followed now. Katie Holmes is being followed by Scientology members. That's what the news says. <laughs> that's, that's really that's creepy. Like, that's really street, creepy. I guess. She's got Scientologists out following her around. And um, they were saying on CNN today that she um, is looking to go to court like an emergency court date to get some kind of a protective order or injunction or something for her and her daughter so that they um, won't be followed anymore. Oh, that's so yeah. creepy. I've had friends who like left covens and like people follow them around from the coven. Like that's really weird to me. Or people who have like who have been in covens who like have people leave because you know it, it happens. You know, people leave covens all the time, but then like they go start their other organization, and then they will follow like the coven members from the first coven around. Like that's just weird. Could you? I couldn't imagine being clocked. Yeah, it's just weird, weird, weird. Especially by the Church of Scientology, you know. And you know she's got to know stuff. Oh, of course. You know. She's got, she's and got And I'm sure that's part of why they're, they're following probably her, freaking they don't out. Want her telling, oh, yeah. you know, any secrets. Well, then they should have wiped her memory. <laughs> Hello? 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 <laughs> yeah, no, they're, I, I, I worry for her. I, I really uh, do. I, all I, I can think of, like, when we keep talking about wiping memories, I've been, I have been um, watching Arrested Development again, and I'm watching mm -hmm, the entire, mm -hmm. because they're going to be um, bringing back Arrested Development next year. I know, and, we're um, so excited. I've been watching the whole thing again, and just there's a whole thing in the third season about taking a pill. It's basically, it's a roofie to try and, like, erase your memory of something bad that happened. And that's, like, all I keep thinking mm -hmm. about. Like, why isn't somebody, just slip her a pill. If you're really that concerned. Right. Give, her Give Katie Holmes a roofie and she'll forget all about it. And then like, you know, she'll send her back to her normal life. Just like wipe Tom Cruise from her memory. I'm down for that. 
But yeah, but then she's going to look at her daughter and be like, where did you Sometimes come I from? wish somebody could erase Tom Cruise from my memory, you know? Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that the sad part is, like, I, and that's okay. People can email me about this. It's fine. Uh, I don't think Tom Cruise is a bad actor. It depends. I'm very picky yeah, about totally Tom Cruise depends. because sometimes I mm-hmm. think he's just there because he's Tom Cruise and he's... Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. like, I... We, Two movies that I actually do like of, with Tom Cruise, um, Top Gun, because how can you be a child of the 80s and not like Top Gun? Um, Absolutely. Right. I genuinely enjoy that movie. And um, the the recent uh, movie that he had with um, Cameron Diaz, Night and Day, I thought was really a great, fun action movie, and I really enjoyed that. But other than that, not really a big fan of Tom Cruise, <laughs> I have to say. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. No, I, it, it, yeah, it depends. It depends on Tom Cruise. But I, in general, I don't think he's a bad actor. I just think he's a creepy person. And when you were talking um, about Katie Holmes, I have to say the I never, ever have seen an episode of Dawson's Creek. Like, I've never seen I'm so not surprised. But um, the only thing I know that I like that always comes to mind when I think of Katie Holmes is the movie Go, which is one of my favorite movies. And that's the no, only that thing was I really know her from. Yeah. I can't even think of yeah. anything else no. that I've She was good. No, really she was good. Her. She did uh she did a movie called Pieces of April, which was an indie film. Um that I was really sh- I actually went out and bought it cuz I was shocked at how good it was. But um it's it's totally cerebral. It's about this like woman who lives in New York with her black boyfriend and she's totally like the black sheep of the family. Um and her mother has cancer and is not doing well and so the family's kind of forcing everyone to like come together for like thanksgiving and the whole movie is basically like thanksgiving day from the time like the family leaves their house in suburbia to drive to new york city you know and it's this long drive and she's got like two younger siblings and then you know you said her crazy family and um and then she, you know all these things start happening to her like she like her her oven breaks down so she's got to find a, an apartment with an available oven on thanksgiving you know to cook this dinner this perfect dinner for her that family that thinks she's crazy familiar. it was a good I, I may film have seen it was that a good and film. i just don't remember it yeah she was also in um she's played some interesting roles like and it was weird for me once again cuz you know the Katie Holmes that I had my first you know kind of experience with her was this very sweet all american kind of girl you know kind of stuff and then i've seen her play like a prostitute i've seen her play some really really screwy like really really intense roles and she does them really really well um so i appreciate her for that now on broadway she was horrible like she was horrible <laughs> was it 2 years ago she did like the the award show for the emmys or something and um or she performed or there was something I remember watching her perform some Broadway song that I believe was originally done by like either Catherine Hepburn or um, I don't know one of those people but but she was yeah she got up there and she was singing and dancing and she had like a, a suit on like a pants suit on and his hat and she was being all you know sly but then she opened to sing and I thought girl you need to sit back down. <laughs> oh, that's like, the other I'm looking at her stuff the... on uh, IMDb. Now I'm remembering other things I've seen her in. Um, Wonder Boys, which is one of the yes, best yes. movies. If you've, if you've never yes. seen anyone who's never seen Wonder Boys, you have to see this movie. It is hysterical. And it's just, it'll give you a whole new appreciation for um, writers, especially. <laughs> it's mm-hmm, a fantastic mm-hmm, movie. Mm-hmm. And she was in Batman Begins. I forgot about that. And um 
Oh, yeah. But that's really it. I mean, most of these other things she's been in, I've never seen, so. Now I'm curious. I'll, I'll look after the show. But, yeah, no, I... It's just weird. I mean, and and of course, I feel bad because, of, you know, hello, public profile. Mm-hmm. Like, her and Tom Cruise have huge public profiles. But apparently, their prenup, she signed a prenup. And it's, like, ironclad. And so she's only going to, he's worth, I believe I heard on the radio, he's worth, like, something like $125 million or something. And she's only going to get, like, 15 out of the divorce. Now, I'm sure the child support is oh, going to yeah. be... um quite nice you know and, she, and if i were her I'd, I'd go for alimony if i could but um but yeah i mean you know it, it's at least she's not walking away with you know half of everything he owns because the church owns the other half <laughs> but um yeah yeah, yeah but it's, i just feel we'll, we'll keep an eye on her but um i will i will do a spell for katie holmes's protection. oh my lord <laughs> it'll be done i'll cast i'll do magic for that i'll do magic for that i'm all about you know running away from creepy cults you know do you do what you gotta do um oh and then of course okay so the other things that are in the news um, I guess if we go with super pop culture first, it'll it'll of course be the fact that Anderson Cooper came out of the yeah, closet, like that, which no one's really surprised. News, but no, well, and then everyone's like, "Oh, Tom Cruise is gay, and that's why Katie Holmes left him." And all I can think of is, if he comes out of the closet, I will not take him. He is not welcome in the in the gay sphere. We are not taking him. He, we've had, we have enough creepy old gay men to begin with. Like we don't need to add another one. You know what I mean? Especially one with, like, Scientology, like, you know, streaming through his brain. Um, but Anderson Cooper, however, oh, I'll have him, like, every other way till Sunday. Like, that's well, fine. Well, I, you know, it was He's just so funny because daddy. it's been such a out-in-the-open secret for so many years. It was, like, but it's great that he's finally, like, actually come out and admitted, you know, publicly and in the news, like, you know, yes, I am gay and I always have been. And, you know, I mean, it was, and, you know, I have the utmost respect for that man. And I always Mm -hmm. have. He's, when it comes to, you know, journalism, he's one of my heroes because he is just so, like, true to to the whole ethic of journalism. But this is a Mm -hmm. man who comes from one of the wealthiest families in the world, he could very yeah. easily be sitting on a beach in the Bahamas, sipping a Mai Tai and doing nothing. And But yet he right, chose right. to pursue what he does. And granted, part of it had to do with the horrible tragedy of his brother's death and, and all of that. Mm-hmm. But he took, you know, a horrible thing that could have paralyzed his life and instead decided yeah. to turn it around and do something, you know, good with his time on this planet. And he's an incredible person. So I'm... So glad to see the gay community and especially for young gay men and boys who are just coming into their sexuality to, again, see a high profile, positive figure say, look, I'm gay. Surprise. Not that it was a surprise to anyone. It's like, oh, yeah, we knew, Mm -hmm. you know, but thank you for finally admitting what we all all knew, you know, but it's but it's a wonderful thing to finally have that, you know. I was I was a little irritated at people on Facebook because there was a lot of like, oh, well, we knew that. We knew that was coming. And they were I, I feel like a lot of people were just kind of downplaying the the balls it took to do it on his well, behalf. Well, he kind of did it in you a know, sort of, oh, yeah, well, I, I'm gay. I mean, because I think he kind of like. Well, had of that course. Sort of like, yeah, OK, well, you know, I'm gay because everyone's pretty much new. Well, no, and that exactly, you know, and I and I. Totally, totally get that. No, I don't think it's a surprise because to anyone Because if anyone's ever gay. watched him with Kathy Griffin on New Year's Eve, oh, yeah. I mean, how is they're, this not a gay man in his fag, fag, fag. I mean. Yeah, it's, it's clearly. And then she posted a picture 
like pretty much after he had come out, she posted a picture of yeah. them like sitting next to a pool holding Which hands I thought was and they just, just so looked adorable. like they were best friends. And I was like, Oh, Rowan and I are gonna do that. <laughs> we're gonna go sit next to the pool and hold hands and talk about how awesome it is to be us. Um but no, but I yeah, no, I, I just think it was a big deal that she or that he, <laughs> she, hello, that he was able to to finally come out and do it. And he felt confident in his career to do it. And that was his whole thing was, well, you know, he's always tried to make his career not about who he was or where he came from, but about what he can do and what he stands for. And so I understand keeping the, the being gay out of it. You know, for me... It, there's a lot of stuff that comes up and about like, um, okay, like I'm gay, of course. So people just automatically expect that like, I'm going to be like into like the gay mysteries, which is always a weird thing for me. Like I, and and I remember getting into this debate on um, uh, like a Yahoo forum or something about um, using the word queer and the idea like, Oh, you know, we can call it the queer craft and you go study the queer craft. And, um, and uh, of course that's like, a huge layered whole kind of thing. But the idea is that, you know, being gay, you have um, the ability to tap into certain energies and, you know, things like that, just like women, you know, when you bleed, you can tap into certain energies. And when um, trans individuals are going through transition, they are tapping into certain energies, you know? So the queer craft is, is very, very much talked about in the gay pagan community. And I have a problem with it. And it's not because I, um, don't love being gay. And I don't, you know, think that that is reflected in my spirituality. But the problem I get is that a lot of gay pagans just kind of expect because you are gay, that you're going to end up like being one of the like a radical fairy, like running around in the woods with like fairy wings on and glitter everywhere and smelling like patchouli. Like, that's not my thing. That's just not my thing. I've, I've grew up in a place where I didn't want my sexuality to be an issue for anybody, including myself. And that didn't mean that I, I wasn't open about who I was. That just meant that I tried very hard not to let it be something that separated me from other people. And so when it came to my spirituality, it was an, it was just like a misnomer. Like that was, hello, that's that's a given, you know. So it's an interesting thing because it, it, there's this whole thing about, well, if you're gay, you're automatically on the gay side and you're automatically going to be pulled into these these like these things, like these debates and these topics. And, and I could see being a professional mm-hmm that that would be a problem, you know, because then every time there's a gay pride, you know, who are they going to call? They're going to call Anderson Cooper to come out and host gay pride, you know, and Anderson is going to be, you know, in Afghanistan covering the war or something, you know, and so I totally get it. And something that he brought up was that, you know, the places he goes, there are, it's illegal to be gay Mm -hmm. and some of them and punishable by death even. So, you know, I totally get it's a safety thing. And, you know, if you're if you're covering stories in Iraq and Afghanistan, you don't want it to be public knowledge that you are a homosexual. You know, I totally get where he's coming from. And I totally get the the, the want to be able to separate your career from your sexuality um, or your, you know, uh, any part of you from your sexuality. I think that's acceptable. You know, I, I think running away from it is unacceptable. I think, you know, we should all embrace every part of ourselves, either the good, bad, the ugly, and the mm-hmm. gay. Like, that's okay. But I don't think necessarily that it has to be anybody else's fucking business. You right. know what I mean? But that's, but I took a, I took a path where I'm very open about who I am as a, as a homosexual, but I'm not going to judge somebody if they're not. I'm also not going to date somebody if they're in the closet. But, you know, hey, that's me. I have my own things. I got my own roles. And I think we should respect you know, anybody's um, transition out of the closet, so to speak. 
Yeah, no, you I know, I, I, yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. I think kudos, kudos to you, Anderson Cooper, because um, you're going to listen to the Modern Witch. But you know, <laughs> kudos to you, Anderson Cooper. Um, I think that took balls. So rock on with your bad self. So stay tuned. You're listening to the Modern Witch here on the Pagan Radio Network.
Now, other things I'm excited about Rowan Pendragon are, of course, the fact that we've got Modern Witch Magazine 2 out and mm-hmm. getting all kinds of good feedback on that, which I'm very happy for. Um, and um, you can find that, of course, on modernwitchonline.com. And uh, we were in the Wild Hunt this week, which was really nice. I always like it when we show up on the Wild Hunt. Right. Well, that's always nice. Yeah. It's, it's a good little, yeah. But of course, I always find out through like the strangest ways, like somebody will call me and say, oh, it was great to read about you on the Wild Hunt today. Or um, like, what? What are you talking about? Or most I, most of the time I get like a, a ping back notice on one of the blogs. Right. You know, it'll say, oh, so and so, you know, put a link to your website in their post. Do you approve it? And so that's usually how I find out. But um, yeah, so I don't know. And, and there's a lot of talk, of course, about like the future of pagan media, which is an interesting kind of thing right now. Um, and I, Jason kind of hinted at that a little bit in the in the piece of, on the Wild Hunt about the magazine, um, because it's all about like, okay, well, what's the future of pagan media look like? Because, you know, like you said, Rowan, earlier on in the show, you know, podcasts, they're not there really aren't a whole bunch out there anymore. You know, the ones that are, you know, there's kind of two camps with them you know there's the super entertaining and then there's the not so entertaining Um, but um yeah there's there's a lot of changing of course now that we've got the ability to print on demand we've got the ability to um produce things in a way that we really haven't been able to produce things as a community before um it's it us doing what we're doing i don't really look at us as kind of being the vanguard or anything like that but i do look at us as trying to be with the flow of, of technology as much as possible. Well, you know, it's interesting because I was listening to, uh, now I forget where I was listening to a discussion about, um, specifically about pagans and um, this whole, uh, you know, kind of re, it's sort of like a revamping of the DIY philosophy because not so much now that we're doing what I remember doing years ago, you know, photocopying zines and, you know, handing them out at events, but now we have this we have so much more of an ability now to produce whatever we want when we want and how we want but there's now you know and i always kind of thought well this is a great thing especially for you know the metaphysical and and pagan communities because it makes it so much easier to get out their material that most publishing companies and and you know production companies don't want to touch because it's so either sketchy or taboo or whatever and so like this is great we have this ability to do all this awesome stuff and just do it however we want but i and i never really even thought that there would be such a divide on on that idea because there are actually quite a number of people that think that it's not a positive thing Mm -hmm. which i was kind of surprised to to find Mm -hmm. that there are um that there's quite a number of people who actually think that it's sort of making the the market of material for pagans and and those of of the metaphysical ilk um kind of making the market i don't know how to i don't want to say i don't know i don't want to say fluffy because that's not what i'm trying to get at but just like it's getting filled up with a Mm -hmm. lot of crap yes because it's so easy to do now like if you go on Amazon and you look in Kindle because anyone can put out a Kindle book Mm -hmm. and you've got people who are putting out five page, six page pamphlets for a dollar on Kindle and making all kinds of money because they're putting out 10, 20 of them at a time instead of just writing a book, you know, 
And this is what people are seeing when they go on to, you know, Kindle and they search for witchcraft or they search for Wicca or pagan. And they're being met with all of this while the stuff that's being produced by either contracted authors with, you know, publishing companies or people who are writing actual books and self-publishing them are kind of getting buried because there's mm-hmm. this huge pile of crap that you kind of mm-hmm. have to wade through before you get to anything really useful. And, you know, I mean, with like music and stuff, that's different because, you know, if you go on to a website like CD baby or whatever, you're kind of expecting that you're going to find a lot of independent artists. And usually that's what you go looking for. But mm-hmm. on something like Amazon and, you know, especially talking about like getting out the print media for, um, for witchcraft, which has always been a little tricky for authors, unless you go through a big publishing company like Llewellyn or something like that, you end up with either a really small one that takes you on and really helps to to brand you and get you out there, or you end up kind of having to do it yourself. And now we're at that point where most people, and I admit I'm one of those people who doesn't even want to bother with trying to go through an agent and a publisher and all that, because it's just so much easier to do it yourself and kind of create whatever it is you want without having to worry about somebody trying to change it or, you know, rebrand what you already had in mind and all that. But it's interesting to hear that there are actually people in the pagan community who don't like that and they don't take self-published or self-produced products seriously. And I mm-hmm. think that that's kind of silly because not everybody can get a contract with Llewellyn and not everyone wants to have the little moon on the spine of their book. So, Well, you know, it used to be especially like in the nineties, Llewellyn was the shit, you know, I mean, that was where you went. You couldn't really find a whole, it was well, but yeah, but I think there's a misunderstanding about Llewellyn in the community. And I'm not talking about like, Oh, their print material is fluffier or whatever. That's got more to do with honestly, because you gotta, everyone has to realize you're looking at a company. The company's number one priority is not to you. It is to their pocketbook. I mean, let's let's all be real here. Okay, so with like Llewellyn in the 90s, that was it. I mean, that's pretty much where you went. You know, I think Wiser was around, but they weren't really doing what they're doing now. And, you know, da, da, da. so it's an interesting thing because I think a lot of pagans just tend to, oh, well, if it's printed by Llewellyn, it's shit, which is crap. That's not true. Right. Um, and the other thing, you know, is that, that Llewellyn's this big publishing house. Llewellyn is an incredibly small publishing house. In the world of print publication, Llewellyn is like on, way on the bottom of the totem pole. Right. I mean, it really, really is. So it's, it's a, of course, they're the bigger one in our niche. They're the bigger one in our market. And now there's been this whole, well, Llewellyn's crap because they only, you know, do fluffy bunny stuff. No. What people don't realize is that when it comes to witchcraft, when it comes to anything, witchcraft, tarot cards, any of those things, 90% of your purchases come from people who have no clue what it is. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, like, that's why the same tarot decks always sell. Like for the last 10 years, the number one tarot decks have been the same because they're, they're marketed for beginners, you know, and that's why the 101 books are everywhere because the people who are buying the 101 books are not the people who don't want the 101 books, you know, they're people who are coming into all of this fresh and new. So I, I get it. I think there was a huge inflation of 101 stuff. And then, you know, like I told somebody the other day, we were all given the same tools. You know, we all read the same 101 books. We all, you know, got into it. It didn't matter how old you were when you started. You know, you, you when you came into it, we all had the same books available to us. And now we're looking at stuff and everyone's like, oh, there's nothing new. There's nobody saying anything because people aren't saying anything new. You know, mm-hmm. the, the big, I think, uh, kind of 
I don't say influence, really, the last year or two has been more on creating a priesthood, you know, like taking your craft to the next level, which is always literally a priesthood. There's never like witchcraft, you know, that's deeper mystery stuff that doesn't involve priesthood in some way. Um, or the responsibilities you take on as a priest. Um, and so there's been a lot of that. There's been a lot of shamanism. And those things have kind of snowballed into what we have now, which, you know, like my whole thing, I love Thorin Coyle. I love her. Love her, love her, love her. I love her as a person. I love her as an author. But she is not teaching witchcraft. That isn't witchcraft. What she does is not witchcraft. And she t- she'll tell you it's not witchcraft. You know, it's some- it's become something else, you know, and that's okay. But like G'day was, you know, G'day's here. And I'm like looking at his books and I'm going, okay, so there's witchcraft in this, but it isn't all about witchcraft, you know, and that's, that's where we're at with the market. It's, you know, especially with those Llewellyn authors, you know, it's, it's not because Llewellyn doesn't want people to know about demons. It's because books on demons do not sell and they are a company and they have to sell books because they have employees to pay and bills to pay. They have authors to pay, you know. You go with a you go with a bigger company because they are going to help you get distributed. The problem that we have now in the year two thousand and twelve is that so much so much of it's digital that companies like Llewellyn really, in order for you to walk in and get a contract, you have to have a client base, you have to have a listener base, you have to have people who are following you, you know, because they're not just going to pick anybody up and do and do what they used to do, you know, where they would edit your crap to all the hell and back, and they're not doing all that anymore, you know, they become much more finite. They've become much more specific because they are a small publishing house. They have to be really careful and exclusive with who they're bringing in, you know. And I've read some pretty, I've read some pretty deep stuff from Llewellyn. It just depends on where you're going. And the other part of it too is, folks, that Llewellyn's catalog that comes out, they they put one out like quarterly, basically. It's like you get the next season's books, kind of like a catalog of them sent to you. Um, and there are a lot more books in that catalog than often end up making it on the shelves. And that is the darn truth. Um, it's a lot of regional specific stuff. You know, um, it, there's depending on like if Borders or Barnes and Noble, whoever their buyer is, if they if they like the author, if they don't like the author, you know, there's authors that have great books that will that would never make it on a Barnes and Noble shelf because the author met the you know the the buyer for Barnes and Noble's New Age section and they didn't like them, so that so that buyer just will never pick up the book. Will never it'll never be in there. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's that kind of people don't realize like everyone just thinks, oh, a book is printed and then it goes to every single bookstore. No, you know, there are the catalogs right. well, I mean, of these borders. Books and, you know, it's a shame because borders yeah. was one of the better ones about carrying. They um, really were, you know, yeah. pagan and new age yeah. um, material. And now that they're gone, you know, Barnes and Noble, oh, it's actually at Barnes the Barnes and Noble in Peabody a few weeks ago because I had to go buy a bunch of freaking adobe books and oh god that was a nightmare but <laughs> it was in the um went over to the new age section which of course you know here it's like you know peabody's next to salem it's like you can go to salem and go buy all the witchy books you want but i went over to just see what they had and it's it was one shelf and it was all the same stuff that's been out for 15 years because mm-hmm there's just like not a lot of new stuff coming out that's worth i mean like you know what's gonna sell like you know that you're gonna sell scott cunningham so why stock some new book some new wicca 101 book that just came out when you know if you buy like you know if you stock five copies of of cunningham's you know wicca for the solitary practitioner those are eventually gonna sell Mm -hmm. because it's you know it's a huge title so 
you know, it, it's it's tricky when it comes to buying books. That's why I'm so big on the whole, you know, go direct to the author if they sell their stuff direct. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, when you just count on local bookstores, or I should say chains, because there aren't even that many, you know. Yeah. I, does anybody even have mom and pop bookstores anymore? <laughs> I never see them. There, I mean, here we out have here there are. Salem, There's you know, um, Salem, but. There, but there aren't a lot. There's, there's a couple of. I mean, of course, like hello, Mystic Dream. But um, there yeah, but are. You're not, but you guys aren't a bookstore. I'm talking like a bookstore, not right, a store right. that no, also there, sells there's books. There's a couple. There's a, well, we we are a bookstore first and foremost. But the um, that's how it's that's how it's listed in the uh, <laughs> forget what I'm saying. Move pages. on. <laughs> but no, I hear what you're saying. There are there are there's a, there's like probably the only one i've really been to that is that is totally like walking it i mean i to- i know what you're talking about but the only one i've walked into there's one that's like maybe like an hour away from here but there aren't a whole lot of those like just go in mom and pop sit down you know uh, interesting book selection kind of places anymore they just don't exist you know it's because everything's gone digital and you know and i'm having such a hard time with that because i've been buying a lot of my books on my kindle and Mm -hmm. it's great because i have a bazillion books now that i will probably never read because i Mm -hmm. see stuff on on amazon and i'm like oh it's six dollars i'll grab that and i've actually bought um some books that i are that i have the physical copies of that i've had for a while i've actually rebought on my kindle because then i have them there too and it's like you know, quick and easy to grab. I actually mm-hmm. last night finally started losing pages in my very, 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 very old copy of um, what's it? Incense Oils and Brews by Scott Cunningham. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's probably one of the very first pagan books that I ever bought on my own um, when I was like 15. And I find I was flipping through it last night looking for something and pages started falling out. So I am now holding that book together with a rubber band. Mm-hmm. Um but I mean, it's just, you know, now when you have everything digital, it makes it so much easier. And I don't know, then we're back to the whole Amazon thing again, having to just shop on Amazon, which is kind of, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I just, I like having the physical books for certain things. Like they're just like recipe books. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. I got a couple recently, the, uh, the we- what, Weedy Apothecary. Um, mm-hmm. I got that and some with alchemist something i don't know ask david salisbury because i know he has that (laughs) that Mm. book but like those kinds of books i have to have the physical book because i need to make notes and i need to like circle things and cross things out and change things and i can't do that as easily on you know a digital copy so certain things have to be physical books so when the day comes that there are no more physical books i am going to lose my shit and i'm not going to know what to do anymore (laughs) now i'll go to a library and cry I, I yeah. Know. yeah, no, I, it's really, yeah, that, that's my big, because there's something about being able to hold that book in your hands and flip through the pages. I mean, it's, it's an experience. Like, I think reading is an experience and reading on my computer or reading on my iDevice or whatever the hell, it's a different experience for me. And I really love, love, love books. So like, unless it's something I need for like research specifically, I won't, I try to always get like the hardback or, you know, the, the, you know, the actual, I can hold in my hands book. Cause if it's research material then I can actually go through and I can highlight stuff and I can actually pull text and, you know, stuff like that. So it's a little different, but, um, I, I, I if I'm reading, I want to be able to sit down with no technology with my book and go somewhere else. 
Do you know what I mean? It's just it just a different experience, I yeah, guess. But absolutely. I'm I'm very yeah yeah and like I I had um with Doctor E actually because I how long have I been working on a book? Oh, I don't know, at least seven years now. Um, and they always change. Something will happen, and then I'll end up going. Oh, I want to do something else now. Um, because I'm really good about that. Um, but I have yeah I have the, I have pagan ADHD. I'm like Ooh, shiny, I gotta go over here. Um, but he told me like in a reading, uh, to almost a little over a year and a half ago, he's like, "Oh no no no, you're gonna self publish before you before you get a book published." And I'm like, "What? I don't want to self publish. Everyone's self publishing. No one takes self published material seriously anymore." And sure as hell, what got published before any book got published? Modern Witch Magazine. And I said, that, oh, "Okay, all right, all right. He's got it. He's got it. You know." Yeah, it, I'm not complaining, you know, but I would like to have a book out at some point. That would be lovely. But I probably won't self-publish it. I probably yeah, won't. That's the only way I'll go. Yeah. So. Well, you already have uh, you already have books out, though. So. Yeah, but and that's how I've done it. And that's how I plan to keep doing it, because I just yeah. don't want to be bothered with the night. I mean, I've I've now watched several people attempt to get their, you know, get under contract and get uh-huh. ready to have a book get published by one of these big publishers and then have it drag for two plus years and then have it not happen. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to put my work in the hands of something like that. I would so much rather know that I'm in control of making it happen and getting it mm-hmm. done and getting it out and not having to worry about contracts and other people doing their work and whatever. So Yeah. Well, it is what it is. The future of, of print medias kind of sad i think maybe probably Mm. all right everyone thanks for tuning in to the modern witch here on the pagan radio network next week we are going to have an interview with good day parma we'll be talking about his ecstatic witchcraft tour here in america um and you know because it was just too perfect not to make him sit down and get in front of a microphone if he's right here you know so hey so um, we'll definitely have him on next week um and until then Check us out online at modernwitchonline.com. You have links and resources to all kinds of stuff. You can order your copy of the magazine, volume one or volume two. Um, You can get your digital download. You can do all that stuff online. And we do have the horoscopes for July up. um, Thanks to Paul Bogle from astrocounselor.com for that. And uh, yeah, so definitely check it out. We've got all kinds of goodies up there. And we will see you next week.